It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. Thanks for joining us right here on the website, drstuespodcast.com. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, you'll get a notification that there's a new podcast. Give the doctor five stars, write him a nice review, put it in your smartphone, your iPhone. There's a million ways to hear Dr. Stu's podcast. I'm Brian Whitman with the aforementioned, the star of the show, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. Yeah, Brian, you know what? It's really good to be back and hear you say Dr. Stu's podcast. I just like the way you say Dr. Stu's podcast. Could you say Dr. Stu's podcast a few more times for me, please? It's Dr. Stu's podcast. No, please keep your trousers on. <laughs> That's not that I get paid extra for that. Yeah, no, but uh, no, we've missed a couple of podcasts because Dr. Stu had a baby and that went right. well. That went very well. And then I had the headache from hell. Let me say this about managed care and Obamacare. I don't know if the two, the, the woman in front of me with her husband, I, <laughs> she looked to me about, she looked to be about 87. And I knew that her, and I went in walk-in because I didn't have an appointment because I woke up at 3.30 with a pounding headache. I took three aspirin, didn't do anything. I said, okay, I need to go to the doctor. They did a prescription for like Motrin or ibuprofen to get this pain to go away. So I get on over there to the doctor's office. And here's this woman. She's waiting forever. I can't have coffee because I'm afraid that's going to make it. I'm just powering down water, trying to make the headache go away. So this old broad, she goes into the uh, doctor's office. And I know you know this, but you don't treat women of that age. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah but yes, I do. You do? Yes. Okay. They're, just they're, having, not, they're not having babies, though. Okay, right. Okay. She need, and I'm in the next room. And the walls are paper thin. And I'm sitting on the crinkly tissue paper. What are you wearing? I'm, uh, I'm in my gown. Okay. I'm hearing every medical condition. Was it, was it open to the front or the back? The back. Okay. Or potential medical that. condition that she has dealt with for the last 12 months, you know, since she saw him last. Could you take a look at this? Is that cancer? Is that a mole? What is that? What is this? I put a little bit here on my elbow. What is that? I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. The doctor who I've known forever just said, I'll be right back. He walked into me and he said, I got to get you out of here. What do you need? I said, right. thank God. And he spent seven minutes with me, and then he was off to, you know, that woman again. Right. But uh, but he was given her, you've talked about the Marcus Welby model, how you like to give that time. He was given her that Marcus Welby model. He was given her, I swear he didn't get out of there alive. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, you know, again, we talked about this before, how, how with managed care and with volume practices, you just don't have the time to deal with this. But when an 87-year-old woman comes in, so a lot of times they come in with two pages of uh, medications they're taking, you sort of have to... Review all these things before you can then treat them for something else or, or, or listen to their story. You have to know their history. And, you know, it's nice in my practice because my 87-year-old patients, I've been seeing them for 15 or 20 years. Right. Sometimes in a different system, you're meeting them for the first time. And now if it's an electronic medical record, you've got to probably go through 80 pages of uh, huh. or 80 screens of electronic medical records. No doctor's going to do that. So they're going to basically focus on the one issue, and if the and the woman has many other questions or many other complaints, or just wants to tell them about her grandson who just graduated from high school, he doesn't care. He doesn't have time for that. He doesn't care. No. Doctor does not care. The doctor's got his own grandson who's graduating, and he's worrying about how he's going to uh, pay those bills. So how, how much did this visit cost you, by the way? Uh, it was not too bad. I'm, I've not yet met my deductible, yes. so I'm still parting with more cash than I'm, than I'm comfortable with. Randy, Randy, Randy. Gotta, I got to just tell you something. Don't let Brian hear what I'm saying, okay? Uh, 
Do you know that you can? Do you know that you can buy ibuprofen or Motrin at the drugstore? Not prescri- I heard you. Not prescription strength. Well, it's two hundred milligrams, and the prescription strength is eight hundred milligrams. Big difference. So, <laughs> what can you do with the two hundred milligrams that equals? I'll tell you something. Knocked that headache you out. You can take four of them. But you know, you oh can't. yeah, you're, I'm an old pro at that. You're right. But <laughs> yes. I, I took but one. Don't, but don't, you weren't supposed to be listening. I'm oh, sorry, to Randy. Yeah, no, anyway. I'm going over show prep here. I'm sorry. Whatever you were saying. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Randy, Randy, you know what? He he sort of went to the doctor. He was one of these people that go to the doctor for for anything when they don't really need to go to the doctor. Well, you know why? Because you know what? You can't buy at a pharmacy. Peace of mind. Peace of mind and and attention. You know, Brian. You know, he needs. He likes to be the center of attention. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't want to wait in line at the pharmacy. He's probably. You he actually probably got the medicine cheaper by going to the doctor than going to the CVS pharmacy and, and buying the ibuprofen over the over the counter. Yeah, it was a lot. But I'll tell you something. Within forty five minutes, headache gone. Having some pizza. Having some Coca Cola. It was like <laughs> I was a new man. I was back at work the next day. You were back at work the next and day. And I felt like a million bucks. But I. But I. But I took Motrin for probably three or four days. But for our listeners, if you need. Prescription strength Motrin, you can just take three or four Advil. <laughs> okay. That's it, right? That's the same thing. See, I don't have a medical thing. degree. It's exactly the same All thing. All I wake up, my head is pounding. I'm sitting there going, I can't listen to my friends Ben Shapiro and Alicia Krauss rail on Obamacare for four hours. I can't do it. I got to get to the doctor. And I called them and I got the service and they said, why don't you try to get in here about eight o'clock? I said, that's fine. I waited an hour and a half. You know, by 930, I'm seeing the doctor and the whole thing is fine. Really, the whole thing is so, fine. So listen, I, I'm changing the subject a little bit I, before we get on to the, our topic of the day, which is a really good topic. Um, I want to just put a shout out to the current mayor of Los Angeles. Eric Garcetti. Now, you know that I'm not a big fan of city government, uh, state government, federal government, world government. Any government. I'm not not a big fan of government. But why do you like Eric Garcetti? I'll tell you why. You know, I've been going to Kings hockey games for many years now. Right. Uh, When you take the, uh, the 101 freeway to the 110 freeway. Right. And you get off at the 6th Street exit. To exit for Staples Center. Correct. There has been a 12-inch by 10-inch by probably 8 or 9-inch deep pothole Ooh. that has been there for the last four years. No more. Yes. But wasn't Mayor Villaraigosa supposed to be the pothole-fixing mayor? He was. He told me when he ran eight years ago, uh, 12 years ago when he lost, he said... I'm going to get rid of potholes. That's going to be like my number one thing. And plant trees. And he was going to do all those things. But I just want to say, besides the Kings winning on Saturday, which was really exciting, the second most exciting thing that happened on the way to the Kings game that day was the pothole had been filled. It's that quality of life stuff. Mayor Eric Garcetti, I think wisely, and I've said it since he was elected, wisely attacking that quality of life stuff where you get your potholes filled and people feel like their city's doing something for them. Well, the first time I hit that pothole, I was driving my old Mini Cooper and I nearly bottomed the thing out. Yeah, I bet you did. It was pretty impressive. Now, on the other hand, I have a negative thing to say about the city council of los angeles okay and you well, probably talked about this today on your show i don't doubt for a second that you did. we talk about them all the time tell me they what it is. banned e-cigarettes oh yeah we talked about that a couple of days ago e- now, e-cigarettes are not cigarettes right and not only are they not cigarettes okay they help to get people off cigarettes so being that this is a show we talk about health and well-being and besides just birth wh- what in god's name are they doing banning e-cigarettes 
when it's just basically water, isn't it water vapor and nicotine? Isn't that what well, it is? Here's a question that I have for you. As you would doctor. know this stuff because you know this sort of paraphernalia. Well, thing. I, I heard this in the city council when they voted on this. Were you They're down clearly, there? Were you down there speaking before the council? No, but I was hearing clips of it on the radio. He watches. Uh, uh, C- uh, what do you watch? The public access channel all day long. C- all day long. CTV. It's right. real fun. But uh, I, I, I heard some people that actually said that. Oh, oh now you, you oh, totally boy. lost me. I, yeah, I well, this real, is the weed. This is I, the weed. I had a real, now, this real is a great point. And by the there. way, what happened right there <laughs> take is. A, take a puff of your e cigarette. What happened right there. I remember it. I remember no, it. No, but <laughs> what happened right there is what happened at the meeting. A lot of people get up and say, <laughs> I have something really important to talk about, and. Uh, <laughs> It just lost me. Uh, I, I lost it. Can, can I go to that in was, and out and go back? That was precious, Randy, because you know what that happens to me all the time, but I'm a lot older than you are. so Yeah, that, that's one of my first things. All right, so what, what was it? You got it back. You got it back. There is something called secondhand vapor. Right. I, that's ridiculous. Is there secondhand, isn't there secondhand breath when people breathe out people? I mean, breathe on people? Well, now they're going to outlaw breathing? Bad breath? Are they going to outlaw chewing gum? Yeah, is what there... Are, I mean, what, what are they going to outlaw? Next? I think that's a real scientific Mints? question. I mean, look, you know, secondhand smoke, I got guys that work with like Ben Shapiro's kind of nuts, says no such thing as secondhand smoke. I don't believe that. But if you've got the vapor going, is there any way I could be driving in the car with you, Dr. Stu, and you're smoking an e-cigarette, not that you do, and I could get some sort of horrible health uh, uh, condition because you're because I'm inhaling your secondhand vapor from your e-cigarette. Has that been proven that that no, happened? I don't know the answer to that, but neither does the city council. Right. So then, if you <laughs> no. don't know the answer yet, then don't do anything. Well, they're they're right. saying there hypothetically could be that now they're voting in hypotheticals, not anymore of what actually. What about happens. alcohol breath? Yeah, there's I mean, got to be toxins in that. Hell, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you sit and talk to, to, to an alcoholic for 30 minutes, you get right up to him. You you're getting, a, you're getting, getting acetone. You're getting acetone blown into your face. And you might get, do people, do, um, do people who are not drunk, if they're talking to an alcoholic for like an hour, like a face-to-face. In a small room. Yeah. In a phone booth. Will they get drunk? Will they get a buzz? You know, I, you know what? It's interesting. It would be interesting to check and see what their blood alcohol would be after being in a small room with somebody who's totally drunk. But I, you know, I don't think that study's been done either. I got to sit in a phone booth with Todd Perry for 15 minutes and see if I get a contact high. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now explain to our listeners who Todd Perry is. Uh, I every, have no clue. Everybody listening to Brian and Randy knows who he is. He's a former uh, promotions guy from KLSX, and he enjoys the drinking. I got to get him all gassed up, get him in a phone booth, and have a little, you know, talk to him about radio and see if I get a contact high off the alcohol. So why do you think, why do you think they're going overboard with this... Uh, Banning of e-cigarette type stuff. Why, why are they doing that? That's what the city council does 24-7. Now, it's a largely a symbolic vote, isn't it? Largely symbolic. Well, that's or- all it's about. We want to poo-poo on this. Well, no, we I think, think, right think, I think it says they banned it in restaurants and nightclubs and other things like that in the city of Los Angeles. Everywhere where traditional cigarettes would be outlawed or banned, e-cigarettes are now outlawed or banned too, despite any real scientific data that e-cigarettes are nearly, nearly, nearly as bad as a regular cigarette. So it has nothing to do with safety anymore. It's just about what we think you should be doing. That's right. And the hand to the hand to mouth, the hand to mouth, it reminds these 
a-holes at the L.A. City Council, too much of a cigarette, you know, hand to mouth and they're inhaling and there's a little bit of vapor. Ooh, that looks like a cigarette. What, are we going to ban the toy cigarettes that my mom and dad used to give us at Christmas? The candy cigarettes that were bubble gum? You're going to ban those too because it looks like a little smoke comes off those? The reason- Why not ban those too, you crazy morons at L.A. City Council? Call, look, at, look at, I really got Brian all riled up. But the reason I brought this up today is because, you know, those of us who don't smoke and don't use e-cigarettes, you know what, we could care less, but it's that whole slippery slope thing. It's the whole idea that they banned this and I didn't care because I don't do that sort of thing, and then they banned this and I didn't care. It's a famous, there's a famous quote about the about the uh, Holocaust and about about not paying attention. To and the, then they came to, to the, ban you, and no one was there no to one, protect you. That's correct. Right. And you know what? If, if they don't, if they're going to come after you next, and so I just don't know who these people are. It's kind of like the homeowners associations of these these developments you live in. Like for instance, my daughter comes to visit me at my at my uh, condominium several times you know, a week. She comes to do her homework at my house because it's peace and quiet. She lives at her mom's, which is about a mile away. And she'll stay the and night? We, no, sometimes she stays the night, sometimes she doesn't. But it's back and forth. Her mom and I have a great relationship. It's no problem whatsoever. My daughter started getting tickets on her car telling her that she's parked there more than seven days a month. But don't you have two guest park? Guest no, park? no. At our, at our development, I just found out, and the rule's been in the book for a while, but apparently we've hired a new security system, yeah. a new security team that comes around and they take their job really seriously. Team is overstating it. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever it is. Uh, they take it really seriously. Security flunkies would so be a more appropriate guests, term. Guests can only park in my development seven times a month. Who so, makes that rule? What, what were they thinking? I'm Who saying, is the Yahoo counting how many times that red Prius has shown up at Fishbine's place? You know, what if you have a, uh, a girlfriend? What if you have a family member who's coming to visit for two weeks? You know, they're not, you, you actually have to get special permission from the Homeowners Association to have some, you know what, if yeah, I would have known you have that. To, do you have to call a cab so that nobody sees their car? I would tell people that whenever you're going to look to buy something in one of these places that has an HOA, read the rules carefully because you know what? You may not want to buy in a place that has an HOA place like no, that. No, HOAs, I've said it for years. Marsha Hutter, who used to be the HOA, you know, going back 18 years, she ran my place in New York. She was, I don't know where she is now. I wish the best for her. Mm. <laughs> Wherever she is now. She was like the Gestapo. I mean, but in fairness, my tenant... Uh, w- w- was not the greatest. He was having fist fights with people over garbage cans. So it was like uh, a bunch of lunatics in, in, in one area. But she had all these crazy rules. And I, at one point I said to her, Marsha, and even at, on Coenga here, uh, and, I, and I wish them all well, <clears throat> they would get together and it was like really old people and their parents who in the final winter years of their life got one last grasp at authority and power that they had clearly been denied during the formative years of their life, and they're going to take it out on you, your dog, your landscaping. Your skateboarding, your roller skating, your 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 trash, your car parking space. Your hanging plant. You can't hang a plant in your place. They're a bunch of losers. If you're 70 and you're going out there for the HOA to try to get on the ballot to get elected, it's over. Put your head in an oven. It's over. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. And, and, and I'm going to play this for my HOA because they're crazy. They're, they they they're, are crazy. They are crazy. Like the city council is crazy. Like the guys who make rules at hospitals are sometimes 
crazy. They make rules that don't make any sense whatsoever. These we talked people, about some of them. You know, when, when I grew up, I said I wanted to be a doctor, a fireman. I said I wanted to be an actor. That was weird. They grew up and they say, I want to be a mid-level bureaucrat. Right. So I right. can, you know, wield the little power I have over pathetic people. Yes, I want to be a cubicle worker in Connecticut. Nobody should be making any company. kind of rules or laws full-time because <laughs> this is the kind of crap that happens. Yeah. You get too much idle time on your hands and you start obsessing over nothing and making people's lives think, miserable. Right. Do you think the homeowners association in Crimea right now are concerned about whether the guest is parking seven days or not? No, but do you think they're changing the batteries and the smoke alarms? In Crimea? In, in, in Ukraine? No. Why? Uh, do, do, do you think the HOA people in <laughs> Ukraine are changing the batteries? Do you think no. they're going nuts about think, it? I don't think yeah. they're concerned about it right We've now. We've got to change the batteries and the smoke alarms. Do you think they're doing that? No. What, what it's a mess. Think they have smoke alarms. Well, I would hope they would. They must be, oh, can you imagine trying to sleep there with the smoke alarms going off like crazy? No, we do, we do have too much idle time. Yeah. And, and it's and not the, always a good thing. And the HOA president, vice president, and treasurer love that idle time. And then this fatso, this tons of fun. She had to be 600 pounds. I forget her first name. She'd be out there swimming when the, when the pool lights are out. I lived on the first level. I'd come around the corner. I think her name was Kathy. And she'd be doing the backstroke and everything. Oh. And, and I would say, hi, Kathy. But in my mind, I knew damn well that pool, those lights were turned off an hour ago. So out of the goodness of my heart, I didn't bust her balls. I let the fatso swim swim so she could lose a few pounds and maybe live another six months is she one of those people that when you see them swimming they kind of just ruin the pool for you once oh, you've seen that it's over hey hey hey, 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 hey she was this, this family show we're she was she was displacing so much water the <laughs> elevators were full of water you know and i just let oh, her man. had her time and then there came a meeting and i looked at her and i said hey do I, every night I come here after dinner, do I give you a hard time because you're swimming by yourself? No one with you, back and forth, back and forth for an hour, wasting that water, all of that in violation of the CCNRs. And then we got into puppies, and she said, I don't like puppies. And she said this to me, I don't like little furry, little lovey, lovable things. And I said, you know what, Kathy? And I don't like Randy. you. I don't like you, Randy. you fat tons of fun, biatch. We should have gotten him Valium when he was getting his motor don't you think yeah he needs a down boy did you go off on that go off on a tangent there all right relax me on something all right we're gonna talk on motrin we're gonna talk a little bit about the american college of obstetrics and gynecology who came that out. will definitely that'll bring you down okay yeah. so we're gonna talk about a new uh, uh a new consensus statement that they put out i'm sitting on the couch which is you know what it's a long time in coming and i want to be very clear that i'm i'm very happy they put it out but it's not as if this is a revelation of new information this is something that is information has been out there for a very long time. Sure. What they're trying to do is they've finally realized uh, publicly that the primary cesarean section rate in the United States is way too high. So they've come out with a consensus statement on their ideas about how to lower it. Now, of course, this statement carries no weight. And like many of their other statements which carry no weight, they sometimes will be taken for, for granted and sometimes will be taken seriously, like the VBAC change where they said readily to immediately that was taken very seriously okay but dr stew in yes. fairness yes their statistics their study it does carry the weight of having the acog american college of obstetricians and gynecologists letterhead atop the information that carries a little weight right right but no but no hospital or or medical practice has to implement any of these things that it's suggesting i see and it probably will not until, as they even admit, until there's a, a change in the tort and the legal system in the United States, a lot of these things aren't going to happen. But let's go through some of them, Brian. Sure. And see, and see what they're suggesting. 
some of these things we obviously mentioned many times on the on the Dr. Stu's podcast because they're not revelations. They're things that are make they're absolutely commonsensical. Okay, here's one that, that 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 is brief and it jumps out at me. These guidelines change the rules of the labor management game. Here's one. Instrument delivery can reduce the need for cesarean. Right. Do you know what an instrument delivery is? I don't. Okay, that would be something like forceps or vacuum. All right? These are things that you can uh, do to assist babies coming out when when they're pushing and their baby's heart rates go down. If you ha if you have skill in these things, you can you can actually get a baby out in a matter of fifteen to thirty seconds, as opposed to fifteen to thirty minutes, which it might take to take do a C section with the instruments. With the instruments in a well trained situation, the problem is, of course, what's the what's the problem in? We've talked about this in our own in other podcasts. Is no one's being trained to use these instruments anymore? Right, and if you use them improperly, you run a risk of injuring uh, the, the outcoming baby or mom. Right, so no one's going to use them who doesn't know how to use them, and if not teaching doctors how to use them, sort of like the same thing we've talked about with breach delivery, it's not going to happen. Nothing in this paper says that residency programs should institute these things. So, again, it's a step in the right direction, but it doesn't carry weight. Here's another one. ACOG is what we're talking about. Dr. Stu is on this with the latest uh, revelations about C-sections. Here's one that we've talked about before, so I'll bring it up again. Induction of labor. We know, <laughs> we know this. I know this. Right. Induction. Why are you laughing already? Because this is, this is a Homer Simpson moment. Go ahead. Okay. Finish it. Induction of labor can increase the risk of cesarean. That's why they do it. They induce labor to try to get a cesarean section, right? No, 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 no. You've got that slightly backwards or slightly off kilter. All right. They induce labor because they think there's a reason that the baby needs to be got out today or now. And then and, when it doesn't happen now, they go for cesarean. If it doesn't happen fast enough or the induction itself can, right. can interfere with the process. So this is a... This is a doy moment, you know. It's one of those things where, of course, it increases the risk of cesarean because you're 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 beginning labor when the, when the uterus, the mother, and the baby are not ready. Oh, I wish I hadn't induced that labor. <laughs> That's sort of what happens, right? No, they don't care because the cesarean section to them doesn't bother doesn't bother the the main medical community. As long if it as it's, them, as long as it's over by their dinner break. Correct. If they, if it bothered them, Brian. Seriously, no. It's, it, it peaks at 7 in the morning and 7 at night. Right. If it bothered them, then they wouldn't need the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology to come out with these sort of guidelines. Mm. They, would, they would do this. I mean, we have a 33% cesarean section rate in the United States. One out of every three women is having, is, can't deliver her baby vaginally. Do, and, and this is the standard. Do we really think that we need ACOG to tell us there's something wrong with this sort of thing? But it, like I said, I'm happy to see it coming out. Let me ask you a question. This is off the beaten path. We have, uh, you know, uh, about 10 minutes to go here. All you bring in, all, you are so well read. I mean, really, I tell friends about you. I tell friends who are not doctors, who are not patients or clients. I say, I got a buddy, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. The guy spends so much time with clients, with uh, with pregnant women, with patients back in the day. He's like He's like a slave to spending time with them because he thinks it's the moral thing to do. Isn't it time for you? Can't we, t not, don't look at us two, but can't we find a group of five guys with some money in their pockets so that you can launch an online magazine or opinion piece to challenge all this stuff? Instead of, I mean, we'll do the podcast. You'll go on, uh, you know, cable news and you'll do your thing. But you need a weekly or buy or, or, or two times a month thing online 
where you can be debunking this stuff and get widespread readership. That's the next level for you, my friend. Yeah, it's it's actually coming. Um, I just hired a web consultant. And, and I, all of that I just thought of off the top of my well, head. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. You know what? I mean, I do need, I would love a personal assistant. I don't know that I can afford one. I'm going beyond personal. I'm going like a, uh, take George no, Soros. Can, that, I'm going for a guy with a lot of money who says, Stu, I love what you believe in. Why don't you do a Huffington Post version, a Huffington Post on childbirth, and once a month, you're going you're gonna to send out an online magazine. You know what? I, 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 I like that idea, but my biggest bigger mission in life is to continue teaching and training and letting women have these options. And so if I were to start to get into the media thing, you know, because my schedule is so disruptive, it's very hard to do anything in the in that basis. So it's got to go step by step. Ultimately, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get a, a facility where I can train future physicians to do forceps and breach delivery and, and, and trust labor and not have to uh, follow timetables, not push the engine. Let me give you a, let me give you a good example, Brian, of a patient I just delivered last week. She had a previous cesarean section in Reno, Nevada. She was induced at 39 weeks because they thought her baby was small. All right. She got she got to four centimeters dilated. She stayed there for 10 hours. And forgive me, small means what? At that point, a small baby means how small? Well, smaller than the curve, uh, less than the 10th percentile or third percentile. I don't really know her history that well based okay. on that because we didn't have the records from Reno, but we all we did have this, the operative report and the, those sort of things are doctored a little bit. They don't always tell you exactly what's going on. The baby did end up weighing five and a half pounds. She had by cesarean section. Her doctor told her at that time, and this is, I, I swear to God, this is her quote. She said, uh, the patient told me that, boy, if you're in your next pregnancy, if your baby's bigger than little Eli, then there's no way that baby's going to fit through your pelvis. There's no way you're going to be able to have a vaginal delivery. You should just have a repeat cesarean section. Right. She's celebrating the birth of her baby, and the doctor's setting her up for two or three or four years from now for a C-section. While she's still in the hospital. This While is- she's still enjoying in the afterglow of her baby. Correct. So just last week, the woman, she went, she was about four days overdue. She, she went into labor on her own. It was a sort of a long, drawn-out labor over a day and a half. Contractions were spaced out, sometimes six to nine minutes apart. But we were very patient. She ended up sitting on a birth stool, pushing out an eight-pound, 15-ounce baby, which she pulled out by herself, wow. right onto her chest. And, you know, then when we were all done, she told me this story about what her other doctor said. I said, you know what? We had a photographer. So we had some lovely photographers at the birth. I said, you know what? There's a beautiful picture I've seen the, on the screen. I've seen it of you reaching down and pulling out your eight pound, 15 ounce baby. Why did you take a picture? Put a little note on it. Send it to your doctor in Reno. Yeah, right. Isn't that great? Right. Isn't- Why do doctors say stupid things like that? Because they're trained to think like that. Why? They're trained to make basket cases out of future moms? Yes, it makes them look better. What? It makes them look smarter? Why do you think? She would say that to what? What? What other motivation? This was a female physician. What is other the, motivation? Is the doctor thinking I'm going to fray your nerves to the point that you're going to feel like you need me? You know, I don't know what context it was set in, and I don't want to condemn somebody specific for uh, for specifically how they said it. But there would be absolutely no reason to say such a thing because in any context, it's stupid. She's not even pregnant yet. She's just had her baby. Yep. And you know what? This is indel- it's indelible in this patient's mind. This patient, remember this story, hours after she gave birth to her baby the other day, she'll never she's forget. telling me the story of she'll, her first birth. She'll never forget it. No. And when her second birth comes along, God willing, it's all that's going to be in her mind. 
It was in her mind the entire pregnancy, of course. Right, right. She was been told by an expert that she could never do it. So, Dr. Stu, if you had an opportunity, you know, three pages, four pages, to get widely uh, publicized and out there, how would you respond to ACOG, to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and their latest article on the labor management game what are they missing what could they add what's what's an important piece of information that's not included set the record straight in the remaining time that we have here on dr Stu's podcast because i think it's important to speak out against this stuff well let me give you one thing the difference again two couple big things first of all um i would if i were acog i would be more forceful with residency programs and I, would, I wouldn't just make suggestions. I would say that these things have to change. And I would work in conjunction with the residency uh, organizing committees and things that do that sort of thing and say these are the curriculum that we need to teach future doctors in order to implement our consensus opinions here mm. about how to decrease the cesarean section rate. The second thing I would do is I would re- retrain doctors on the mammalian model of birth, which we've talked about many times. You know, they talk about that, that stupid doy moment where, you know, induction increases the rate of cesarean section. How come... You know, we don't have the ability to induce in home birthing. We don't do it because we don't have Pitocin. We don't have Cytotec. We don't use in- induction methods. So, because you don't have the drugs. Right. So what we don't do is we don't look for reasons to induce. Does that make sense? Yes. When we can induce, we don't look for them. Because right. doctors can induce, they look for reasons to induce. They start doing ultrasounds early, when they're earlier than they should. They say stupid things like your pelvis is too small, sure, and your logi- baby's too big. And, and logically, if you don't have the means to induce, you're going to look for every other uh, option to not induce. Yeah. A couple other things, too, that they talk really briefly about is they talk about that twin gestation should be delivered vaginally. Mm. Always when the first baby, well, not always, but mo- with the first baby's head first, it should be really considered. Um, it doesn't necessarily, the second baby doesn't have to be head first, could be transverse or breech. They need to teach that skill. Um, they say ultrasound done in late, late in pregnancy is associated with an increase in cesareans with no evidence of neonatal benefit. So they're basically saying that you should stop doing ultrasounds at 39 weeks and 40 weeks and only do them when there's an indication. And they also say something really smart. Macrosomia is not an indication for cesarean. What is macrosomia, Dr. Stu? Suspe- well, it's, and it's suspected macrosomia means big body in Latin. Okay. So if you suspect the baby is big, a lot of times doctors are telling patients, oh, your baby's too big, you need to have a cesarean. Because and the baby simply won't thri- that's fit, what they're fit, saying. fit through the birthing canal. Right, well, we just heard about that. And so ACOG at least is coming out and saying macrosomia is not an indication for cesarean. Mm. There's a, a bunch of other recommendations, but one that they don't have on there and I think would be really helpful and that we don't have in the home birthing world is stop using continuous fetal monitoring. Mm. Get rid of it. There's no evidence that continuous fetal monitoring does anything to decrease the rate of cerebral palsy or anything or anything like that. And all it does is raise the C-section rate to these astronomical rates we're seeing now. Mm. So there, this is a this is a good start for ACOG, and I and I and I applaud them for doing it. But they need to be more forceful. They need to be able to say. No, you know, we, need to, we need to teach residents to do this. Again, like I've said before, many of the doctors that are already out there practicing and with the current medical legal system and the current training that they have are never going to change, but we can change the next generation of physicians. Well, we will, as always, invite someone from ACOG, from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, to join us here on Dr. Stu's podcast. We are here. This is podcast number 42. This podcast is now older than I am. Yes. Yes. And they all will be. And they all will be from here on in. That's right. You're a young dude. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for joining us. If you want to email Dr. Stu, he answers, reads, and answers all emails. Ask Stu at gmail.com. If you have a question, uh, some of your questions may wind up 
on Dr. Stu's podcast. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, get a notification, give them five stars, write the doctor a nice review. We thank everybody for spreading the word, sharing it on your Twitter, sharing it on your Facebook, emailing it out to your friends who are pregnant, who aren't pregnant, who maybe are thinking of being pregnant. It's a great resource. Dr. Stu, always great to see you, my friend. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Randy. See you soon. Thanks for joining us on this historic 42nd installment of Dr. Stu's podcast. Never to be repeated. No. There will never be a 42nd podcast besides this one. For Dr. Stuart Fishbein, I'm Brian Whitman. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 